You're listening to Resident Advisors Exchange. I'm Martha. Thank you for joining us. On this week's episode, we'll be taking a listen to a conversation recorded live at Rewire Festival this year between musician, DJ and chemical engineer Jana Rush and spatial planner and researcher Caroline Klaus. Is your music also, can you say it's a kind of a way out to deal with it, like aggression, but also kind of move out of situations? Um, yeah, it's a way for me to express my emotion. It's a way for me to see, um, it's a way for me to prove to myself that I know what I'm doing. Jana Rush works as a chemical engineer and also as a CAT scan technologist assisting doctors in pathology detection using CT scans. Jana also has a background as a paramedic and a firefighter. Chicago born and raised, Jana started DJing at the tender age of 10 and started producing just three years after that. Whilst DJing in the early 90s at WKKC Radio, Jana built a friendship with DJ Rashad and has been a regular at Duke and footwork events in Chicago. Since her footwork days, Yana's sound has continued to evolve. and She has just shared a new mini album for Planet Moo, which is titled Dark Humour. Caroline Klaus is a Brussels-based city sound researcher and spatial planner. Her work explores planning and design processes defining the sonic environments of urban infrastructure. She focuses on the specific lived sonic experiences and micro-innovations of young people in inner-city Brussels and the music that they make. Caroline has contributed to the planning and design of transitory urban railway spaces. She has long-term experience in outreach-based community involvement in urban development. Caroline studied sociology and spatial planning and is currently completing a PhD at the KU Leuven Department of Architecture, Brussels. The two of them sat down for a talk at Rewire Festival and as you're about to hear, this conversation covers the relationship between architecture and music, the art of building confidence, especially as women in their respective fields, and using geometry in the DJ booth to attain optimal sound. I really hope that you have a wonderful listen to Jana Rush and Caroline Klaus in conversation on RA's exchange. We're gonna mix a bit like interview and, and conversations. Um, so uh, maybe, I don't know, Jana, if we can just talk about uh, like your most recent album, what inspired you, like like what kind of experiences um, we have been talking about that, if you want to say something like, also in relation to like this idea of ab- abstraction and... All right, so um, my this last album that I did is called Dark Humor. It's not really an album, it's more of an EP. Um, most of that, those tracks are about like f- frustrations just in life in general and me going through things that I go through at work, you know, working a high stress job. So a lot of those tracks reflect, um, my, 
refusal to submit to authority or you know do what's expected of like a mm. female so like i got um don't want no dick on there stuff like that i got um a track called clown on there and it's basically me just giving any authority figure the, the middle finger like fuck this shit this is just me making tracks that's just some of it is being sarcastically joking like the the clown track and then don't want no dick is like saying the man fuck you you know i don't give a fuck you know like just saying fuck you to the norm but you're often um you 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 are connected to the tradition of footwork and other genres can you say something how you relate to that today um and also in relation to what you were just saying uh, about maybe the aggression in your music and and how you try to navigate or find your own way um, so basically, I've been, um, I was around when footwork was being like basically figured out and made up and trying to become something. Um, basically, my background is from, I got background in house music, underground music and techno. That was my thing. I was um, on air DJ at WKKC, a college radio station in the United States for about 10 years. And so... Um, Basically, what we would do was we would get up on Saturday mornings and do a show for half an hour each. I was with DJ Rashad, and we would play a lot of techno tracks and a lot of fast music. And mm. so often, the um, program director would be so upset with us because he was saying that this music was too too loud, too fast. We should play Michael Jackson. We should play some um, Stephanie Mills, whatever. He wanted us to play R&B and grown people stuff, be more like commercial stuff. And... We never listened to them. We just kept playing what we were playing. And we took that music and also played it at the rink. And we noticed certain tracks that we played, people were liking them. So we didn't stop the, what we were doing. And from that, um, around the time that we started taking off at the rink, then you had um, DJ Dion, DJ Milton come out with Ghetto House. And from Ghetto House, that's when we started to basically learn how to form beats on our own and kind of feed off the Ghetto House. And um, with the tracks that were made coming from our inspiration from ghetto tracks, we started having a lot of footwork circles at the rink, which led to the genre of juke and footwork, you know. And uh, um, today, like how much of this conceptual approach and maybe also the phonic, uh, like the materiality of footwork is still present in your music? Or how do you relate to that? Do you transform it or... Uh, so do you search for like a kind of a move out of that or? Um, I don't really claim, I guess, footwork because I mean, um, like for me, it's not like everyone else is saying that I'm footwork and I'm doing footwork music. But in terms of the genre, I don't feel really accepted by the genre, especially since DJ Rashad has passed away. So, I mean, I guess that's okay. So I guess at the end of the day, what I'm saying is I'm not so much... Um, focused on just making footwork. Um, basically where I'm at right now, I feel like I still, I'm still learning. I still got a lot of learning to do. And there's a lot of things that I'm curious about in terms of music and a lot of other genres that I'm looking to do. So in short, you probably won't get the same thing from me twice. Okay. You know, you will have some footwork elements because I do respect the, um, the music and I do like a lot of the beats, but I'm not focused on being footwork or defining myself at this moment. 
Maybe like then the other thing we discussed or talked about, like, um, yeah, I, we didn't have like an answer to that, but like also as an urban researcher, um, also um, uh, questioning urban music in relation to urban space, I was like curious how in a way you think about how your music interfaces with like an urban reality of, of Chicago or of the urban environment you, you live. Uh, is that something that... Yeah, I don't know. We we have been talking about and no clear answer to that. But I was just, uh, I, if you want to say something. I mean, if you want to talk about just a hard, fast interface, like between me and what I may hear in the environment, I hear, like I said, I hear a lot of loud music in the summertime. In the summertime in Chicago, it's no, um, it's a very common thing for people to ride around and have their subwoofers on like blast and you hear a lot of cold beats and I could take a lot of those beats and kind of like play off of that in my mind and if I'm by the drum machine and it just so happened that person may have stopped down the street by my house and I'm still hearing it then I can build the beat based off what I'm hearing coming from that sub I can at least do something with the kick I can do something with the hi-hats and then just you know play with it up for a minute and basically draw for that so uh, yeah upstairs we were talking also about like your um the idea of an analytical approach like yeah. how you also like yeah also yeah so if i don't have a drum machine around um something that i do is just use binary code or something zero one you know and i'll have zero for like a pause or whatever and i'll use one and break it up like if i'm using a quarter note i'll just successively put ones and I'll maybe put a dot on the top of the one just to show that it's a success a successive beat. So, you know, like things like that. I have a little symbol system because like I, I do get a lot of ideas in my head, especially when I'm high, I can hear things and I, I'm not always by a drum machine. So I have to have a way to like journal what I'm thinking mm -hmm. about because I come up with ideas all the time. So you have a notation system? Yes. For, okay, cool. Uh, and then maybe um, also related to the, the topic of gender uh, of this talk, but uh, like like for myself, when I do field, go out in the field for field recording, I have to reflect about my uh, position, my device, how I relate to the device in relation to the environment. Can you say something about that, like how gender plays a role in like how you relate to the machines you use, your positioning, maybe also in in the space at the space of your music, if I if that's all right. Sense. So in terms of the, the way I use a machine is, I mean, just cut cut and dry. Like being a female, I feel like it's you know, I don't bring gender into a lot of things. I was kind of like. Um, blessed to grow up in a household where everything was not tied to gender. If I wanted to play baseball, my mother wasn't like, well, you're a girl. It was just like, whatever you want to do, you can just do it. So, I mean, I didn't, I don't, like, I pretty much feel like I just play just like everybody else. I don't have it in my mind, but when I do get it in my mind, um, I feel like it's my job as a female. It's definitely my job to learn everything I can about the piece of equipment that I just bought or any piece of equipment that's in my room. Because, I mean... Like, if you don't know what you don't know, people are going to capitalize off of that and they're they not going to let it go because you're a female. And it's like, yeah. guys can not know shit about their stuff and people are like, oh, it's fine. And they'll tell them, but with a female, it's a whole different story. So uh, We talked about uh, comfort. That, and that <laughs> What's that? The comfort position that... Uh, oh, yeah. Of, so it's, a, it's a lot of big comfort. It's, you know, like I said, yeah. it's a lot of weak-ass people out here 
or guys, and it's they real comfortable and they got a lot of um, machismo about them, and you know nobody nobody will tell them. I mean, sometimes I will, and just sometimes I just let them do what they do. You and know? does that also relate to um, your position to the the scene of footwork from uh, today? Like how you relate to that? Like um, I don't know, like this kind of um, gatekeeping uh, that exists. Yeah, it's a lot of gatekeeping um, because it's a lot of misinformation, like. Um, Footwork is still fighting to be some sort of genre or defined as a genre or respected as a genre. So there's not really, I don't think there's a lot of foundation. And the foundation that was um, that was had, it I feel like it was lost. A big part of it was lost after Rashad passed away. Um, we do have some people that try to... Um, instill and keep the foundation the little bit of foundation that we have alive in the history but it's a lot of newcomers that don't know mm-hmm. anything about how things went down and they don't know the rules of the game and make things make a long story short pretty disrespectful so that's part of the reason one re, one part of the reason why I kind of like back away and not try to um, get so married to the whole footwork I did but You get, you know, you got a lot of these youngsters, they're disrespectful. And it's like, um, right now for females in footwork, it seems like it's easing up a little bit. You know, you got DJ Manny with his girl, Susha. He's um, helping her. He's very supportive of that. But um, due to the fact that a lot of these kids don't know the history, my um, it still feels like very misogynistic coming from my standpoint, you know, the, the scene that still does. Mm. Does that explain a bit of the aggression you were talking about or like yeah. in your music? Like also yesterday, there was a kind of like aggressive, aggression very much yeah, present. Yeah, I mean, so like, I mean, I come from the mind frame of, I just try to take care of myself, you know, like I was the only child also. So, you know, like just from having the experience, you know, you're the only child, you go to a birthday party, the other kids trying to roll up on you because you're the only child and they see that you by yourself. So they're going to do some fuck shit. So it's just like me learning that. I just, and this environment didn't intimidate me at all. I learned how to just impose myself and just do what I needed to get done and not worry about the bullies and the hazing and mm-hmm. people making fun of your tracks. It's just like, you know, Is your music also, can you say it's a kind of a way out to I like to deal with it, like aggression, but also kind of move out of situations? Um, yeah, it's a way for me to express my emotion. It's a way for me to see, um, it's a way for me to prove to myself that I know what I'm doing. I mean, like the reason that I'm confident is because, like I said, I, um, I take care to know the things that I need to know about what it is I want to do. Mm-hmm. So that's where my confidence comes from. It doesn't come so much externally in terms of, do I have your approval to be here as a female? Or do I have your approval to be he, be here even as a person? It's like, I'm just like, you know, I know what I know and I'm gonna do what I do. So I don't really give a fuck. Um, maybe, I, maybe we can ask also, I go off take questions from the public, yeah, but uh, sure. I had like maybe a last thing. How you uh, now in your um, last EP, you also um, work with uh, jazz music. Can you say something about why you now are you inspired by who and and why? Um, well, I'm a big Ornette Coleman fan, as a lot of people probably know. Um, yes, I'm really inspired by jazz music. I hate that it's not as popular as it was once was. Um, but it's not dying like most people think it is. And, um, like 
mainly bebop and big band jazz is my big is my thing. And what I like about jazz is it's so improvisational and that's pretty much one of my goals is to grow as a live artist so I can just do improv acts instead of just coming in with a program, mm -hmm. you know, project and like just pushing a few buttons. I wanna actually show people, you know, take drum machines to the next level or the limitations, you know, actually do stuff instead of just here, I'm going to the next sequence and oh, I'm put a little filter on here now. You know, it's just like I want to actually interact and I want the crowd to feel my energy at that moment, you know? Yeah, that was, we, we, uh, we were also talking about like yesterday, how in a way it's a kind of spatial experience that yeah. you then in a way control. Can you say something like, I also well, maybe for I mean, I noticed yesterday I felt yeah. like a lot of my blends were a little bit off, but it's because, and most DJs understand, you know, um, the sound system was great for partying, but I could not hear clearly. I can hear what was going on out there. Then my monitors, I could hear that too. And, you know, I'm not complaining about the system was great. It's just, I guess, the space. So the way that I approach that problem is, okay, I can't just keep fucking up blends or, you know, like give people less than stellar performance. So I had to find a way to figure out the area of the room, the possible area, you know, like, and what's the what's the geometry in general? This is a mm -hmm. square, it looks like to me, or a little bit awkward, but a little bit square. Figure out what the area is, and okay, so now I'm going to find that frequency, the, the sweet spot on all these tracks, and that's where I can get the maximum energy from the crowd, and that's what mm -hmm. all I was doing yesterday. But so. maybe last thing, like, uh, your position... Yeah, we talked about it also, like the the position you take as a as a woman mm -hmm. in that situ that spatial situation. You were saying yesterday, I'm, I might I like a bit like what I, how I see myself as an observer, uh, but here you in a way take a kind of control also. Uh, you 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 yeah, move out of your role of the observer, the passive observer, and you became a performer, but also someone who is really controlling in a way. Yeah, because I mean, I, I mean, I just that's part of my strategy. I like to control things. So yeah. I just, you know, like I'm not going to just let myself fail, you know, like yeah. and I'm not going I don't want to be that performer that fucks up and be like, oh, well, it's because the room was. No, don't nobody want to hear that. Your job is to perform. You better yeah. figure it out, you know, so okay. <laughs> that's how. And how much helped your um, engineering analytical approach to that uh how much situation, helped us engineer? Yeah. I mean, like when I was in school, I I'm just like, what do we need this shit for? But now it's like it's making making a lot of sense. I, it helps me make a lot of sense with yeah. a lot of things because I, you know, like just kind of thinking about my strategy yesterday with the bass. I feel like if I hadn't uh, had a love for like um, physical chemistry and stuff like that, and knowing about waveforms and how they react and how they bounce off of things, I probably, you know wouldn't have known what to do like mm -hmm. I probably would have just succumbed to the shortcomings or whatever I had in relation to the equipment that I was so, using yeah so you became really uh, at the center maybe of, of the system that we were talking about yeah yeah I don't know uh, can we go eventually if someone has like a question or something um Hi, Yana. What's up? Um, firstly, I thought your blends were like really good, but I was also quite high, so... I know, right? I know. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one thing you can count on at a lot of the parties that I always forget about is everybody there is probably high, so it don't matter. <laughs> but it matters to me, so... <laughs> but yeah, I just want to like ask you, 
I, you spoke about being a female and aggressiveness. Yeah. And like, how do you kind of like deal with that? Have you met with like a lot of like resistance because you're a woman and people are like, well, like if you're a man and you're aggressive, it's kind of, I don't know, like ex- expected and accepted. But like, how do you deal with that? Like, like, and how do you like kind of own it? And I don't know, I guess speaking personally, I kind of want to channel more aggression as a woman because I think it's quite a powerful position. Like, how do you, yeah, like, how do you deal with that? How do you deal I mean, with I deal with it every day. It's, I mean, it's just one of those things that never goes away. It's just a way of life, what we've been conditioned to do. And it's not that anybody's wrong. It's not, you know, that men are dogs and fucked up and women are great. It's just that's how it is. So, like I said, my approach to um, getting around that is... As a woman, since this world doesn't really feed into your confidence, it, I feel like as an adult, it's your job to find ways to enhance your confidence and not to be, not so much to be arrogant or cocky, but just so you're not out here becoming a victim. So, and how I do that, like I said, if I have a piece of equipment, I learn everything about it. I don't just learn just enough to make a track. I want to learn everything down to the specifications. You know, I'm looking at the specifications when I buy stuff. I don't just buy speakers and be like, oh, my God, you know, and then when I get them home, I'm like, why does it sound like this? It's like, you know, I'm looking at the frequency range. I mean, do I am I going to need a subwoofer to enhance my experience with this system or can I just get away with two speakers? You know, like I'm asking myself real questions. And I mean, I deal with the same thing at work all the time. I dealt with it when I was had a job as an engineer where, like I said, you know, first of all, my preceptor pretty much informally stepped away in you know, this male-dominated place, so I was left by myself to do a lot of projects, and I just pushed through it. You know, like I found out how to get the information I needed to get the project done instead of you know talking to people about it, putting in a complaint, and saying, "Oh, well, he's not treating me right." It's like, well, they need me to make this system. I need a motor. So how do I get a motor? Oh, I got to get this paid for it and I got to write a report. Okay, how do I write this report? How do I get the money? You know, that's those are questions that I'm asking. Any other questions? Great. Thanks. Hi. Um, I was just wondering if the uh, word aggressive was something that you used yourself or was it put on you? And uh, how do you think about that being perceived as confident when it's a, when it's a male space and as aggressive when it's, uh, when it's talked about a woman when we stay in the binary here? You, uh, say that one more time. How, what... Uh, what? Uh, was it something that you used yourself, like the word aggressive, or was it something that was... Well, yeah, most people describe me as aggressive, and, you know, I usually get this a lot of times. I mean, I should probably should not say this, um, but in a racial sense, I get it a lot from white females. Oh, they kind of terrified me, and I'm just like, yeah, I'm five foot nothing. Like, what am I going to do to you? Like, what, for real? But it's, I don't know... I mean, I guess some my energy is doesn't sit right with some people. And yes, I've been punished numerous times for being aggressive or speaking my mind. And I've seen, you know, even though, like I said, at work, I see it all the time. You know, um, guys, they come in with bad attitudes. I, it was one guy who had a horrible attitude when he first started our job, got promoted, you know. And I was going for the promotion. I got more experience, and I'm sure I would have did a better job. He got the job. He just wanted to flex. He didn't know how hard the job was, and he wound up stepping out. And, you know, it gave me a laugh, but it's just like, I mean, that's just how society, I mean, it's stupid, but it's still like that. And, yes, I go through it all the time, and the way that I deal with it is, like I said, I'm not, I'm not backing down, you know, like, why? Why should I, you know? Any other questions? I've not got much of a voice, but I'll try. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was going to ask, 
Do you think that there's uh, something uh, in living in like an urban environment like Chicago, where obviously it's like high levels of violence that feeds into the music scene in a certain way? And does it like change the way that people feed off each other creatively there? Um, yeah, definitely the, the urban space definitely does feed into the music. I mean, you got that drill scene where everybody's talking shit and getting killed all the time. So, I mean, and it can get... It can get kind of, I mean, in footwork, about the worst it it get is some arguments and people, you know, it's not really a big thing. But yeah, that urban space in Chicago definitely influences our music scene, especially if you want to see how bad, just look at the drill scene. Somebody's always getting killed. Can and I, it's just like, I, it's just really bad. Can I just like, uh, why is like uh, that um, violence not present in, in footwork like it is in drill? How about the zero? Well, I mean, do I don't think? know. Like, we're not. Footwork is not even, footwork is not as prominent as drill, and it's not as much, I guess, as much money to be made. You know, somehow these drill rappers, they're getting that money. I don't know how to get their money, but footwork, most of the artists, even the greatest ones, they still probably living at home. So it's, I don't know. I, I feel like that money part has a little bit to do with it, it's, and it's like the, the, the mochismo and... And footwork is a little different than drill. Drill is like, oh, I got this fucking car. I got all this shit on. And it's, you know, like it's a whole, it's not only whose dick is bigger, but it's a whole like flashy thing. Whereas footwork, about the only thing you about to do is make a cola track or some, than somebody else. It's like, it's kind of low key. It's like, you know, the way that you get get back at somebody is just make a better track than them or take their track and make it better. So that's what you do. Maybe yeah. For my PhD, I did research on drill scenes in Brussels, uh, where like I questioned this also from uh, the idea of uh, military urbanism and how like militarization enters into popular culture, uh, and then also by uh, talking with people that used like real machine guns for their video clips, they really searched to make it more uh, aggressive. But yes. in that sense, to get more views and to get to become very popular they have like millions of views and it's really like this interaction like and so they use also the violence and the aggression to to become more popular to get more money yeah um, and too with the drill scene that scene is like built on that you know the history has a lot to do with like already before you became a drill the gang banging and being with certain sets so it's like already it's a like it's a whole nother beast Whereas footwork is, it's a little vanilla in terms of that. Like, like I said, what you gonna do? Make a better track than somebody, or you might say something about somebody in an interview. Or I mean, about the coldest thing that Rashad did was make a track about um, a DJ, and then it 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 was just a regular track that people played and people liked it, but it wound up on um, Grand Theft Auto. So. <laughs> It's like, yeah, for that other artist, it's not so great, but he just changed his name. So <laughs> this reminds me, like, I, I didn't. Uh, it's a question, but like, there was the author um, who posted, like, uh, Mark Fisher, who, who, who uh, wrote in a, an, uh, an article on Rashad's music. Yeah, that footwork is like a genre where, like, and that uh, he, he describes it as kind of time trap. That it's music that puts you, hey, like, there was a kind of. Um, also, the repeating and the loops. Oh Can yeah, you, I mean, it's also a critique on on, on society, on capitalism. Uh, I don't know how. Yeah, 
how you relate to I it? I mean, with the timing, I mean, Rashad, you know, he had a, he had a vintage sound most of the time. And then sometimes he would do some futuristic sounding tracks, more techno-y. But um, when he first started, I, I mean, I'm going to just say, talk about the Rashad around 2010 to 2012. He had a more like a warm vintage sound. He had a lot of Roy Ayers, a lot of soulful um, samples. Same with Tracksman. You know, you hear a lot of soulful samples. You hear a lot of jazz samples from Tracksman. And, you know, like we were just talking about this um, in the back, how like in general footwork is made at 160. But, you know, it's also a lot of artists that fail to understand that everything doesn't sound good at 160. I don't care what kind of swing you put on it. I don't care where you put the hits on the grid. It's some things are not for 160. Some of the samples are not for 160. And it's like some people still can't overcome that limit. So, I mean, like I said, Rashad, he would do different things with it. He would do different tempos, different swings. You know, he would make it fit and then build the track around the sample, you know, so. We good? Can. <laughs> oh, no problem. That's okay. I'm just a clown. I'm just a clown. I'm just a clown. Thank you for listening to Yana Rush and Caroline Klaus in conversation on RA's Exchange. Thank you to Rewire for hosting this talk and a huge thanks to all the audience members for sharing their questions. You can browse our full archive of episodes on your favourite podcast platform. Be sure to subscribe to The Exchange to receive updates from us. And if you love the show, please do leave us a review as it really, really helps to get our stories to more ears. Until next time, take care. This journey to sound. 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 This journey to sound.